eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans! Welcome to a very special edition of the Parastyle Podcast. This is our first Parastyle Podcast in studio in the new year. Happy New Year to everyone. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. That was my first Hello, Trojans of the uh, new year. I did not start drinking my Diet Dr. Pepper because that kind of screws it up sometimes. Kyle reminded me, so that was very good. Uh, but we got a special show. If you're watching us live on YouTube, really appreciate that. And if you're listening across the podcasting network, that's awesome as well. Our first kind of the main show of 2024 and I said Ryan Abraham along with Connor Morissette who is joined with me where he's my partner in the podcasting world. Connor thanks uh, for coming in again. You're welcome happy new year. Yeah it's gonna be back yeah, you said happy new year I'm sorry I'm like yeah I guess we haven't seen each other since uh <laughs> and I ended up getting COVID I didn't get to go to the holiday bowl so that kind of sucks so I didn't even get to see you down there so it's been a while but happy new year to you. Thank you. And we have a special guest that's not just on the line in studio he came all the way down here from USC uh, Spencer Harris, follow him on Twitter at Spencer M. Harris. He's the executive director of House of Victory. Spencer, thank you so much for coming in. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. I think no. we're I think we're past the time where you can say Happy New Year if you've seen that curve. <laughs> yeah, definitely past. But I hadn't yeah. seen Ryan yet, so you haven't seen each other. Um, Fair but yeah, but thank you so much for coming into studio, and uh, thanks everyone for joining us. We are, like I mentioned. We're live on our YouTube channel at over at Inside Troy, so we try to do those uh, podcasts. When Connor and I get together and do a podcast, we try to do them live. It, it's been a few weeks since we've done one, so that's why it's nice to kind of be back in here 
and do that again. And if you're listening anywhere, uh, you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, all that kind of stuff. We appreciate that too. If you have the Apple Podcasting app and want to leave us a five-star uh, rating and review, that's awesome as well. You can send us your questions, podcast at uscfootball.com. If you want to email us or you can send us a voicemail or a text, we've got some of those today, 424-254-9141 is the number. And uh, very excited, guys. We have a lot of newsy stuff to go on. We're, of course, going to talk to Spencer about the ever-changing world of NIL, name, image, and likeness. And I mean, we've got some new NCAA news today, Spencer. Like, uh, we got some breaking news it, this thing change every day it's just it does change every day right it feels like that we have to be ready to change every day you got like you got to be like just yeah you got to pivot whenever like you got to zig when people are going to think i just got to keep refreshing waiting for that ncaa news it's sort of like the old school you know people used to hit f5 a lot where they're you know watching the peristyle if like they're waiting for a recruit to commit or something like that like this this just seems to change uh, every day there's something new coming out down the pike and, uh, every off season is crazy. There's coaching changes. I mean, just in the past, what, 24, 48 hours, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, like all gone. Like what? The, like there's a lot going on in the world of, uh, football. So I'm excited to talk with all you guys, uh, about all of that. Before we do, I just want to thank, uh, our sponsor, very longtime sponsor, uh, Trader Joe's. They've been a super amazing partner for us. Uh, we usually do this on a yearly thing. I worked with uh, Trader Joe's and we've renewed the partnership for uh, 2024. So very happy about that. Couldn't be uh, couldn't be happier with a, a partner uh, here on the podcast. Don't do a lot of sponsorship kind of stuff here on the Parasol Podcast, but they've been a great one um, over the years. So make sure you go check it out. I went, I think I went twice this week so far. So get in there. And, uh, I had, I had ant problem and uh, I had to like get some new food. So I had to go to Trader Joe's and pick up the, <laughs> my honey. They got my honey. I put in my damn tea every morning, man. I'm just like so upset. But anyway, I just went to Trader Joe's and restocked and it was all fine. But I don't know if you're a Trader Joe's guy, Spencer. Oh, uh, that's the only place I shop. <laughs> didn't, I didn't plug him for that. That's just, <laughs> I, he could be like, no, I hate it. I'm like, no, no, it's great. So thanks again to Trader Joe's and thanks for everyone. It's funny. I, we'd mentioned it. They're like, yeah, every time you talk about it, like people keep bringing it up or, when they see me, they're like, they say something about Trader Joe's. So I guess we've been doing this a while together. So, but thank you for them. They've been, I uh, couldn't ask for a better par partner and really help to bring you here, uh, the Peristyle podcast and all the video and all the kind of stuff we do. And we've been able to expand a lot and do a lot more shows. Uh, Connor's got his triple double show uh, with the basketball. Good timing on that since basketball. <laughs> I'm sure they're doing well. I haven't paid attention lately, but um, no, but triple double, you got the Helium Boys, you got the composite two-star recruits podcast lots of podcasts out there uh so you make sure you go check it out okay should we get let's do some newsy stuff we can do uh, some breaking news um we got some portal news connor you want to like keep people up to date on what's going on there and spencer can chime in if he wants or you know uh but yeah what's been going on lately in the portal since the last time we talked well since we last did the post-holiday bowl show so that was two days or one day after the Holiday Bowl, so I think December 28th or 29th, yeah. so it's been a little bit, but um, Corey Foreman entered the portal. He signed today with Fresno State. Doreen Singer, the receiver, entered the portal, and Andre Stewart, the reserve offensive lineman, entered the portal. And USC, they've made some additions. They added a Division three receiver from Tufts in my neck of the woods, Jaden Richardson. I'm excited to see what his D3 to D1 transition looks like. And then two of the bigger names, 
who USC has added in the last couple weeks. Texas A&M defensive tackle Isaiah Rakes. That's a big one. People are at least on the peristyle. We need beef. We need big interior defensive linemen. Well, there you go. He checks that box. And then the UNLV quarterback, is he going to Georgia? Is he going to USC? Jaden Mayava, he ends up choosing USC after committing for a couple days to Georgia. That was a real whirlwind recruitment. And will he compete for the starting quarterback job? I think, of course, he will compete. Will he win the job? Not so sure about that. Miller Moss, of course, played so well in the Holiday Bowl. But we have a great offseason ahead of us, Ryan and Spencer, to talk about this quarterback battle because Jaden Mayava, he's a real quarterback he's not like a junior college or a, a true freshman guy who could actually uh, he's a guy who could actually come in and compete for the job so that's exciting too yeah spencer what so how involved are you guys just so people kind of know players get out of the transfer portal uh if they're being recruited by lincoln riley and the staff like how involved do you guys get and like kind of what's your role in all of that yeah we're really not involved in the actual recruiting process at all we have constant communication with the different coaching staffs uh and the people that we need to talk to but we don't really get to the process of working with the athlete until they're on campus so obviously we're paying attention we're in communication we're planning we're getting an understanding of exactly how the roster is is taking shape and the additions the subtractions and, and making our adjustments from there uh, but until a Jaden steps on campus and he's enrolled in class that's when we start our process to to get him a part of house of victory nice okay yeah there's been some some cool just we were curious about the quarterback spot just because like Will Howard's name was out there a lot and then Lincoln Riley's comments after the game were like Miller Moss might have scared some dudes away when you you know set a USC passing record in a bowl game and six touchdowns and all that. Um, that's interesting. What, when you have a player like that, that um, performs very well, does that, uh, I mean, how does that change? I mean, you guys are basically like in negotiations with these players too, right? So like he has a huge game. They're like, Hey guys, uh, I want to get a better deal. Is it, does that kind of work that way? Or like it, it does. And I mean, we're, we're, we're all fans of USC. We are super happy to see Miller perform in that way. And it was awesome, you know, his first start, first game, bowl game after, you know, not a not the season we expected and have him set a record like that and and just do it the way he did. And, and for him to stick it out at USC uh, through his time here when he easily could have left. And it's almost cool to go to the transfer portal these days, it feels like. But to, to see someone go through the journey that Miller did, perform that the way he did and now come compete for the starting job uh, come next year. Yes, his his NIL value increases when when you perform that way in a bowl game and and we have to respond in that way, but you know, he also, you know, has other opportunities beyond House of Victory because of the way he he performs. So we have to take all that into account, but you know, it is a bowl game and he does, you know, still have to compete and go win that job and it's great to have, you know, another younger arm into the room to to compete and um so coach Riley can put, the, you know, the best team forward into to 2024 for the Big 10. How I mean how different is it from like a free agent market or whatever in some of the professional sports? Like, you know, how there can be players changing teams, but you know, there's contracts and negotiations. I mean, it's still collegiate, but there's, there's this professional kind of feel to it with these contracts and how players perform and stuff. Yeah, there's definitely a professional feel to it. I I think the difference in the NFL, there's a lot more transparency. You can say, Hey, here, here's what the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL make. Here's, if someone throws X amount of touchdowns, here's usually what they make in the NFL. Or you, it's it's a lot harder to, to evaluate and judge that uh, in in the college realm and in the NL realm. And they're not getting paid necessarily 
uh, for exactly what they do on the field. Now, it's a factor because it, it increases their NIL value when they perform on the field, but there's other factors as well, and, and we're really paying for their NIL. And so it's, it's, it's complicated, and we have to constantly evaluate it. It's a constant moving target. Uh, and we have to take in all the information that we can to make the best decision for our organization, for, for House of Victory, to support uh, Coach Riley if, if it's a football player. And then, uh, you know, the, the athlete has to make a best decision for himself as well and, and make sure it's a fit on both sides. Um, we had a comment. I put some comments up on the screen. So if you are watching us live on YouTube and you have a funny comment or interesting comment, I will do my best while I'm not hosting to, uh, to look at the comments and put them up on the screen. And if you have questions there as well, uh, just put question, like put question all caps. So I see it and I'll start and we'll come back to it later. We have some questions from the Peristyle, uh, our premium message board over at uscfootball.com. If you're not a member, jump over there, 30% off an annual membership. You will not regret it. Uh, everyone's over there. You want to know what's going on with USC football. That's the place to be. But we asked, uh, the, the uh, patrons over there, if they had any questions, we have some questions for that. And, uh, Connor and I have some questions for Spencer and stuff too, but I wanted to put this comment up there. This is old school before both of you guys from a Cortman. He says disappointed 32nd street market never got to be a sponsor. So I don't think either of these guys were around before, uh, the new USC village was in, in play. You were, you weren't here before that Spencer. Were I you? was not. Yeah. So that would be the old, when I was in school there, the, the USC village was just like a terrible, like little mini mall kind of thing. But 30 second street market was the old, old school, um, supermarket that was in there. They used to have a, when I was in college, they used a bathtub that would like, I think there were like $5 pints of horrible liquors and stuff like, you know, peppermint <laughs> peach schnapps or whatever and stuff like that. So yes, 32nd street market, uh, not a sponsor, but it would have been great if, uh, if they were around, but they've, they've not been around there for a while. So thank you for that. Uh, the trip down memory lane The so Spencer or Connor, both of you guys, um, you know, I, the new, what Charlie Baker came out there. I, I don't know if it's like they're trying to avoid potential lawsuits or all that, but they're really trying to kind of work with, you know, in the NIL world. And I think eventually get to where schools are paying players directly, but what, what kind of came out today, if you can kind of, you know, describe to, the listeners, like what were what new changes were made in the NCAA world as far as NIL goes today? I can take it just to set the table. I know you're the expert, Spencer, but just to provide some background. So today or yesterday, I think it was technically the NCAA came out and they're hoping to pass recommendations for agents and like what a contract looks like. So that way some bad actors who are representing kids aren't taking advantage of them and parents who are trying to hire these agents. It's just like it's not a rule. It's just a recommendation of, hey, here are some people who have done some good work in the past. Here's what a contract usually looks like. Try to stay within these parameters. And then the council also proposed new rules that, if passed, would be able to help facilitate deals between athletes and NIL collectives, a move that would likely return some degree of control over roster management back to athletic departments and teams on campus. So it seems like that's kind of vague, Spencer. And we can get into what Charlie Baker proposed, uh, but just those were the new things from yesterday. Would that help you, I feel like, if those rules were passed, just the facilitating the deals from in-house? Like, I feel like that would make it a lot easier. And you can provide any more context that you feel like you need to. No, I, I agree. I think the biggest challenge with this NIL space over its two years, two plus years of existence is a lack of clarity and guidance, right? So the reason that NIL collectives exist and people like to blame NIL for the wild, wild west, it's not the collective's fault. It's it's the lack of leadership and guidance that we've we, we've 
lacked from the NCAA when it was forced on their plate back in July of 2021. So I think steps like this, the the model that that Charlie Baker proposed, I think that was last month uh, for the future of NIL and future of college athletics, I think it's all really positive steps because someone is trying to take a leadership position and that, that we really haven't had that. I think there's still a lot to get worked out and a lot of more baby steps to be taken to get to a point where you know, we, we feel like we're in a great position. At the end of the day, it's all about supporting the athletes and getting athletes in a position where they're compensated uh, for, for the value that they provide to these programs. And that didn't exist before NIL. The NCAA fought it really for the last, you know, every, all the time before NIL and even for the first year, year and a half. Uh, and now they're starting to, to kind of turn the corner. Okay, what's the future of college athletics model look like? And how can we change our position a little bit uh, to make this make a little bit more sense and, and get the, the value to the athletes that they deserve? And then with the Charlie Baker thing that you referenced, so last month he proposed a far more dramatic new policy that would allow schools to pay athletes directly to promote their universities through NIL. So then you, that would certainly alter what you guys are doing because you're sort of the third party, even though it's not – I mean, it is technically a third party, but – when Lincoln Riley says donate to House of Victory, it is all connected, and it's just kind of a, a slippery slope. It's interesting. So I think that would help, but at the end of the day, they just don't want the athletes to be um, employees. So that's really the big thing that they're trying to avoid, and that's how they're trying to get around it. Right. Yeah, we, we exist to, to support USC in this space because we have to exist, because USC needs us to exist, because that's the model of, of college athletics in, in the NCAA today. As it continues to evolve, adapt, we're going to continue to evolve, adapt, whether that's you know proposals to go to move it in-house. However this thing evolves, we, we the only reason we exist is to make sure that USC is supported, and however it changes, we're going to continue to support it, whether our role changes or not. If it does end up going in-house, how do you feel that would impact things? I mean, it seems like you guys are in a good position where you'd probably be incorporated in-house, you know, would just change, you know, business cards or whatever it would be. I mean, there's something like, maybe it's not that simple. Um, but do you think that would be better for college football, better for USC if, uh, if the NIL payments became like an in-house thing? I do think it'll be better for college football overall. I think it, it makes more sense if payments are coming directly from the schools. I think that that concept should have happened two years ago. This is two years too late. Uh, but we're, you know, we're here today and we're making progress. Now, I still think there's always going to be an NIL outside component to it because it all falls back to recruiting and what school can create a competitive advantage over another school in recruiting. So we'll see. I think it's going to continue to change. But again, yes, I think it's a positive uh, and I think USC is going to be well positioned either way, and, and we can get into this, but really they're going to be positioned because they have the right leadership in place, uh, and they have alignment, and they have a, a leader in, in Jen Cohen that completely understands the value of NIL and wants to position USC to be as competitive as they need to be in this space to win. We had a question on YouTube from Megan. She's from Down Under, so uh, she's thank you for listening in Australia. Uh Though these are only recommendations, how will they be enforced by those in charge? I don't know if you enforce recommendations, right? Like, well, that's the thing you 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 don't for that first part of it. <laughs> just the recommendations on agents and, and contracts. Just 
it's all it is. It's a recommendation. It's a guideline. It's not a, you have to sign with this agent or you have to do a contract like this. It's just a recommendation. So people don't get played. Like we've seen like Jaden Rashada, $7 million to go to Florida. Oh wait, actually that's not true at all. And we all know what happened with him. He winds up at Arizona state and it just seemed like that was too good to be true because it was. And so they're trying to get rid of that a little bit, but you, that doesn't guarantee anything. It's just a recommendation. It's just a guideline. It's just here is what's worked in the past. Try to follow something like this, but you don't necessarily have to follow it, at least for that part of things. Yeah. You feel the same way, Spencer? Like, yeah. I do. I think the the enforcement piece has always been tough for the NCAA, over, especially over the last you know five to ten years. Uh, I do know they put in some dissociation language into some of their, their new guidance where they're going to come down on outside entities and NIL players that that don't follow these rules where they can punish the schools if they don't dissociate uh, from those outside actors. Oh, sorry. I was like, I thought I was off screen. And I was, so if you watch on YouTube. <laughs> so I got to do stuff. I'm adjusting some volumes and I thought I had took myself off camera and I did not. So my apologies if you're watching like, what the heck is he doing? I was just like, you know, doing something else. Uh, all right. Well, Connor, do you want to get in some of the is there any other newsy stuff or do you want to get into some of the questions we had for? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I got some questions if, if that's cool with you. Yeah. Yeah. Go um, you knock yourself out, man. Yeah. So, so Spencer in your conversations with Lincoln Riley and Jen Cohen, what have those been like the last few weeks? What are they really happy with house of victory about right now? And what are some of their goals to take steps forward in the future? Yeah. I, th- I think house of victory has made a lot of progress in the NIL space for USC uh, since we launched uh, in April of last year. Right. I think it's no secret that NIL wasn't in a perfect space or, or far from it uh, in you know p- previous to House of Victory for a number of reasons. And House of Victory initially, you know, it, it takes time. I think at every school there's been some sort of change and evolution in the collective space, right? They've every this is brand new. Everyone's had to figure it out, kind of take their punches and, and adapt. At the end of the day the most important piece of having a strong collective and, and supporting a, a Lincoln and Andy and Lindsey Gottlieb and, and our, our coaches across USC in this space is alignment and leadership from the university standpoint. It has to matter to them and they have to take action to support the collective and get strategically aligned with them in a way that's compliant with, with the NCAA and the state of California. And Jenna's done that. It, it is really important to her to have a strong NIL collective. So we've had a great working relationship uh, since she got here. And we've, we've had some, some really positive conversations about how to continue to improve and evolve to make sure that we build an NIL collective that best supports USC and fits USC and does everything possible to maximize our resources here and can help Lincoln and the other coaches build championship rosters. Um, with the state of the, I guess, where NIL is now and sort of where it's going, how important is that relationship with the athletic director and the head coach that you're kind of on the same page and working towards the common goal, which is you're trying to bring, you know, keep the best players around, bring the best players in. Um, that, how is that relationship? And with you guys, like how important is all of that? I think it's essential. I mean, you, you ask, you know, whether they, they tell you honestly or not, but recruits players these days, I mean, they have to have this answer of NIL 
check like they have to have that box checked right and it's it's difficult right lincoln can only be so involved right he's his job is to coach football manage a roster manage the culture and then he has this outside nil organization that supports his players and he needs them to support his players but he's got a lot of other areas to focus on as well and it's not the end-all be-all for every single player but he has to know that he has a relationship and a process and a structure that he can rely on so that he can acquire and retain the, the, the talent that he needs. So having that open relationship between myself, everyone on, on our executive board, uh, and just the coaches, the, athletic, the administrators, athletic department overall, the university, um, you know, there's so many different people that touch this, that are involved in, in the process. Having that that trust level between us is essential. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but probably the biggest question we get is what is Oregon doing that USC isn't doing? Can you shine any light there? I, I think I will just take the recommendation from someone to hire someone from division street and just everything is fixed right away. <laughs> no, uh, look, every school is different. Every setup is different. They all have different needs. I don't think it's any secret that, there is an individual involved with the Oregon football program and, and University of Oregon Athletics that is his passion and his business are very aligned and he has made a significant investment in Oregon athletics and that has trickled down to NIL. And so they they are very well resourced in this manner and that's great for them, right? We have to worry about what's great for USC and we have to make sure we have the resources that we need for USC and for our coaches. And that's what we have to worry about, right? We're, we can't worry about Phil Knight, right? If, if someone has a Phil Knight, please call me, right? We'll take a Phil Knight, right? We would love to have that. We don't. We got we to gotta work within the, what, with what we have at USC. We have some really passionate supporters that have invested a lot of time a lot of money, a lot of their own resources to support House of Victory and make sure that it's it's great for USC. And, and we're going to continue to build it and, and make sure that we're, we're as competitive as we need to be and we maximize the resources that we need to, to win. Everybody within House of Victory, within USC, they want to win, right? That's the only reason we exist. And, and we want to beat Oregon. We want to win every recruit. We want to beat everybody on our schedule. Right, it, it it comes down to what we do on Saturdays and and making sure we're in the national championship, not you know Michigan and Washington. How different is uh, the NIL world than when you guys started a couple of years ago? I mean, it's it seems like it's changed so much, and then there's it's all it's going to do is change going forward. Yeah, I, I think no one could have predicted these these concepts of of, of donor collectives, or at least. I couldn't have. I, th you know, I remember in my it was my position to to sell NIL to all of our recruits before it existed, and USC was the place to be because of our our massive media market, and you know we're we're very well positioned with the history of the school, the location, um, major brands that want to work in this space, and that's still true today. I mean, SC gets a a huge bump in in NIL because of all the opportunities that our our star athletes get. I mean, you, you look at Caleb, you look at Juju Watkins. I mean, they're, they're in major brand deals. At the end of the day, no one could have predicted that we needed this outside organization uh, to raise funds from donors to, to pay, you know, kind of everybody else and support everybody else. But 
it it does make sense, right? Like these athletes have value and someone's got to compensate them. The NCAA said you can't, the schools can't. So let's let's create our own way to do it, right? The collectives are just a result of the lack of foresight from from other people. And, you know, I, I think about our, you know, we have a starting offensive lineman who's played every game last year. We want him to come back. He has NIL value. Well, he, he has no incentive to come back if NIL didn't exist, right? Start, you know, a, a, a corner in the transfer portal. Why is that corner going to get paid from the outside market? No, they're only going to get paid by us. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm curious about the other collectives on campus too. And just, we hear so much when Jen Cohen was hired, she wants to try to align USC's NIL policy. So there's House of Victory, which I know the separator with you guys is that that's the donor collective. That's when fans can donate specific to, specific, uh, to specific sports. They'll go on your website, go to your events, and, and that's what that's all about. And then there's Tommy Group, which sets up Brandy's Conquest Collective, does the same thing. So when Jen Cohen and we hear she wants to align NIL at USC, what does that mean? Yeah, I think there was a lot of confusion in the NIL market for a number of reasons. At the end of the day, all these groups want the best for USC, and they now operate in in, in different spaces. So what she's coming in and done is is tried to streamline that, make it really clear if you want to support directly support student athletes with your money, whether you're a donor, a fan, um, and want to help in that talent acquisition retention process for our coaches, you should go to House of Victory. There's these other groups that are working to bring those outside marketing deals. You know, that, you know, Caleb was really involved with them. They did the Postmates deal, um, you know, with Tommy Group. They've, they've done, they've got that podcast. They've done some great things, which is awesome, right? Any NIL deal to USC athletes is a real positive, but it's an, an important thing to distinguish. They're not a, an NIL collective. A collective is does what they collect funds they pool funds to then you know sign athletes to to nil deals and it was important for her and for us frankly uh to make it really clear that there's there's one way to go um when when it's that's your area of passion uh for our supporters we had a question um or comment from jeff uh in the chat uh, I get this question. He says, uh, when is uh, Jen Cohen and the collectives or what are they doing to try and mend relationships with former large boosters? I can't speak for, for exactly what Jen is doing. I know that she is working every single day uh, in uh, on this space uh, and across the USC landscape. She's got uh, her hands full, but I, I promise you she's working. Uh, from, from our standpoint, you know, it's, it's a slow and steady process. We've got, again, we've got some really passionate people, uh, that have, that have helped us tremendously and we're, we want to continue to grow that. So we understand that there's donors that haven't been involved yet, or, or maybe used to be involved with USC and, and, and have stepped away from that for, for one reason or another. And we want to continue to, to reach out to those people. Uh, you know, we're, we're continuing to grow our staff. We're going to continue to grow our reach, our network, uh, because it is a grassroots effort. USC can only be involved so much with House of Victory because we are an outside organization. They can't give us their alumni list. We can't work through the alumni association. Uh, it, it really comes down to, to word of mouth and some different strategies that we can put in place to reach these people and, and build relationships and, and get connected. So it, we rely heavily uh, on our executive board, and, and we have an advisory board. We have a board of former athletes. Um, there's a lot of people that are working to, to help get this thing to a point where we feel like it should be. 
Based on what you said earlier about not communicating with players until they're on campus and until they're enrolled, I imagine just in today's climate, a lot of those top players will have agents. So when they are on campus and they are enrolled, what's that like trying to get a deal, not only with a family, with a player, but are the agents involved and do you work with them? We do. We have to. Yeah. Every situation is different, right? Some, some athletes don't have any representation uh-huh. at all. Some use representation just to look at the agreement and make sure everything looks good and is, is in place. And then some have, you know, full-fledged agencies that, yeah, we'll, we'll try to negotiate with us and, you know, are very involved in kind of every step of the process. Every athlete has that right. We also have the right you know, we have to do what's best for House of Victory and what's best for, for our what our mission is. And we have to protect our funds as, as much as we can and make sure that they're distributed in a way that makes sense for us. So there's only so much that we're willing to negotiate and we can negotiate. Uh, we, we, we have to have, you know, that, that ability to make sure that we have a sustainable model, right? Every athlete, every agent, they want more money, right? <laughs> and we all want more money, uh, but there's only so much that we can do. So we have to always keep that in mind. There's a board of trustees and, you know, you guys, guys, Rick Crusoe used to be part of that. Like, are they, do they get involved or are they allowed to be contributors to to House of Victory? Can they be part of this? So there's different groups of trustees at USC. Uh, The voting member board of trustees, which you can find online, are not able to contribute cash to a collective. And that's an NCAA rule. That is not a, a USC rule. Now there's lifetime trustees. Uh, at at USC that I, I believe are former voting board member trustees and they can contribute. So okay. there's all these different rules and intricacies that uh, are set by the NCAA. And then, you know, U- USC's general counsel has to, and, and compliance office has to interpret them and, and put in some guidance for specifically for what we can and can't do. Is House of Victory still a 501c3? We have a 501c3 component. So our primary entity uh, that we, you know, operated primary, you know, mostly out of for 2023 was not a 501c3. It was still considered a nonprofit, which was really important to, you know, our founding members to to identify that as a nonprofit because we're not in this to make money or do anything like that. We're in this to support USC. And that message was really clear and something that I think got, you know, mixed up in some previous iterations of, of NIL. Uh, and I'll, there's a lot of players out there that are trying to make money uh, in the, the landscape of, of the country. Uh, we do have a 501c3 component uh, called House of Victory Foundation, where we have a relationship with a, a fiscal pon- uh, fiscal partner that can accept, you know, donor advised funds and and, and charitable gifts, uh, where donors can receive a tax write off. And then we'll partner with different organizations uh, in the LA community. We have an event tomorrow at Boys and Girls Club in Wilmington, which I, I know you've been to, mm-hmm. uh, with Connor McCollo. Uh, where we have 10 athletes going to, they're going to spend an hour or so uh, uh, with some boys and girls clubs and uh, they'll get compensated for, for appearing there. Uh, so yeah, we do have that component. We had a comment from Jeff. He says, I love the house of victory pays for family travel and stuff like that. I know we've, we've talked about that um, before, um, but we, you know, what, how important has that been and how's that been received uh, from the players? It's a massive piece of what we do. I mean, so we supported 65 families uh, to help get to games this year. And that's both local players and uh, out of state or, or non LA players, right? Because your, your local players, their families want to get to uh, away games. The, the out of state families want to get to home games and away games. Uh, so we 
take that into account. And it's a huge part of the recruiting process for, for Coach Riley and, and our other sports as well. Uh, we've now dipped into to supporting some basketball athletes. And um, there was a volleyball athlete that we helped out with as well in this space. Uh, so that will continue significantly in 2024, uh, especially as we go to the Big Ten and, and have some, some faraway trips. That's a, that's a real expense uh, for these families to, to get to that many away games. And we want to make sure we can support them to get them there. So that, that will be a big piece of what House of Victory does uh, in the fall of 2024. I know you can't speak for what other schools are doing, but when you look across the landscape, do you feel like there are some other schools that are playing by different rules? And how frustrating is that? It's hard to say. I, I think there's other schools that have had alignment with their donors and the university on how to win previously, previous to NIL, and now it's transferred to building a really strong NIL collective because they've had that those relationships in place, they're comfortable with it, and we've been by the rules here, and we should be, and we will continue to be. So uh, again, I think it goes back to what do we need to do for USC? We can't control what everybody else does. We want to make sure we're building the right organization and the right fit and a sustainable model for USC to win. Uh, you know what? What Ole Miss or ten, you know any of those? They're doing a great job. I'm. I'm. I have relationships with all those schools. There, uh, we were a part of an organization, a trade association, where I'm in constant communication with the executive director at Ole Miss's collective, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, we're going out to a conference uh, next month, so we we feed off each other. Uh, we trade ideas. And we want to learn from them. I want to learn from them. Uh, to, to I can continue to apply what what we do here and, and continue to get better. Yeah, that's, I've, I wanted you to talk a little bit about that kind of association, like the trade association, where you were, you know, where you guys can kind of share ideas. Because um, it does seem, it seems like you have schools in there that are probably more aligned with USC sort of vision of NIL, and then there's other ones that have definitely been more aggressive. I think Tennessee being one of them. Um, but is Texas A&M involved in that one or no? They are not. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> that was probably the first one I ever heard of. Like when this first, I, I, first of all, I thought it was brilliant. And I think like you mentioned, it's sort of like there was this underground railroad going on where this was already happening at certain schools, especially in the South. It's just very competitive and, you know, you don't have a professional team in town. This is your professional team. And they were doing this. And once this, oh, you're allowed to do it. And it was like instantly, it's like you just turn the lights on or it's like the, you know, prohibition time. You're just like, oh, yeah, we, the speakeasy is now a bar. You know, boom. It's like, we're good. Um, and when just the the concept of collective, when I first heard it was like, oh, it's like a GoFundMe where all these people just like put in money and then we're going to give it to players. Or like, I mean, and that was like, it seemed like it was instantly involved, which I didn't know how they did it that fast. I'm like, that must be really smart, but I guess they were already doing it. But I'm uh, sorry, that was just a little tangent there. But maybe talk about the, uh, like sort of the, you know, the, this family, I guess, you of the other different collectives that you guys have worked together. Because it does seem like people can play by different rules. So I don't know if this is a way to sort of like police yourselves or come up with ideas or like what's kind of gone into that. Yeah, I think it's two things. I think it's been a brainstorming session where we can trade ideas and, and build relationships with each other to get an understanding of how the market is evolving and, and what we can do uh, together and, and maybe work together in a sense and apply each other's successes and failures and discuss, you know, any current news, current events. 
And then the second thing I think is, okay, how do we build a sustainable model? What, what are we doing outside of donor revenue? Uh, so we're not always relying on the same donors year after year uh, to, to support our players, whether that's um, outside revenue through sponsorships, through events, uh, through, you know, Tennessee does an amazing job uh, with their merchandise sales, right? They have some really cool products there. So we just brainstorm and, and go back and forth on, on new ideas like that. And then with everything happening at the federal level uh, and, in, you know, in Congress and reviewing bills and, and, and different ideas that are coming into place of the future of college athletics, we wanted to be a part of those conversations because collectives are really at the center of this thing. Whether they should be or not, that's, you know, each, everybody's own opinion, but we're in the middle of, of supporting our, our, the athletes, right? No one is supporting athletes the way collectives are around the country. And that's the most important piece. As this evolves, athlete compensation, I don't think is going to, it can't really be reduced, right? It's, it's going to, okay, it might change and evolve, so let's talk to the people that are, are in it every day, are working with the athletic departments, are working with the donors, are working with the athletes. Uh, so Ole Miss's uh, or executive director, Walker Jones, he spoke uh, at one of the hearings on behalf of, of our collective association, which I thought was really cool and a really, really unique step for collectives just to be a part of the conversation. Is there any talk of merging the collectives at USC, or is it kind of like what you said earlier? You do your own thing; they do the brand deals, and it's separate. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to say yes or no. I, I think it depends, and, and and you know we'll evaluate every situation if it made sense uh, to merge one or merge two. But again, I I don't view them as collectives, right? They're they're operating in, in different spaces, and and that's totally fine. And we continue to operate that way. If it made sense at one point just to continue to eliminate confusion to bring one together or two together, sure, I think we, we, anybody would be open to that type of conversation if it was what's best for USC. Connor, I think we had some Peristop yeah. questions. Should we get into some <laughs> yeah, of those? Yeah, I was just we, about to say we that. Did a lot. So you just kind of asked one from Blue Lion Troy about the con- uh, consolidation of collectives. Uh, you had mentioned the uh, SC winning and Natty wanted to know about USC and Oregon's. I guess and I've stolen some You stole of these. a couple of their questions. That's okay. I just want to, I want to give them props because yeah. we were going to ask them. The Dan said, how well can House of Victory determine market value for an athlete when so many of the collectives are not sharing info? Yeah, it's tough, right? I, I mentioned it earlier. There's, there's no... Trans, there's not a lot of transparency in this space. We have to do the best job we can evaluating every athlete that we work with. We kind of put them in different categories. We take their on-field per- performance. We take their recruiting rank, their, which is their potential, uh, according to, to the experts. Uh, we, we gain information about their background, their personality, their social media numbers. We're, we're going to evaluate all of that. We're going to evaluate the funds that we have and distribute them in a way that we think makes the most sense to protect the roster and, and retain players and acquire new ones. Uh, so we're, we're constantly evaluating that. It's a constant moving target, uh, but you know, we, we have to do the best we can based on the information available. Gatecall wants to know, knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently earlier in the process with House of Victory? Anything come to mind? No, it's, you know, it's not about just me either, right? Like, this, this whole space is so new and it, it's changed so much. It's really hard to predict, you know, what could have, what, what this has turned into, yeah. right? So I think it, it begins and ends with relationships and, and making sure we can cultivate the right relationships, whether that's with the university, whether that's with donors, 
whether that's with donors that are no longer involved with USC, right? Talking to all those people to get an understanding of, of, of what's important to them and what they need to support in this space. Uh, I think, you know, fundraising from the very beginning, it's, it's not easy, right? And I'm not a natural born fundraiser. And that's why we've put some people around uh, on our staff, on our executive board to, to support in this space and, and need support from the athletic department. Uh, but it's, you know, it's an ongoing process where we're constantly learning. Uh, so I would say it's, it's come a long way from day one, but still, you know, continue to, to improve. FTFO4L, which is uh, fight the F on for life, I guess. <laughs> um, what percentage of your funding goal did you feel you guys hit? Last year? Yeah, I guess I, I guess it would be last year, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we supported every athlete that we needed in, 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 in 2023 and, and felt really good about the eight months that we were raising money and, and signing athletes. Uh, and I want to clear that up too. You know, whenever we, you see us sign an athlete, that means that we're paying them. So if you look at our, at our you know, website and you can see 2023 athletes, there's, there's probably 100 athletes listed on there. Uh, and there might be some that, that we did support that aren't listed. So about a hundred athletes in 2023 in our first year. So we, we, we raised quite a bit of money to, to do that and hit the goals that we, we, we set out, uh, when we launched. Um, and now we're, you know, kind of on track to, we've, we've now elevated those goals in, in 2024 and, and believe we'll, we'll be on track to hit them. Ty0214 wants to know outside of you and Megan Spencer, who else works with house of victory and do you answer to anyone, just fill us in. And on, I know it's not just you and Megan, even though you're the two listed on the website, who else is involved and who do you answer to? Yeah. So Megan and I are the, the two full-time employees right now. Uh, and as I alluded to earlier, we are expanding, uh, excited to announce some, some new hires here pretty soon. Uh, and then we have a nine person executive board uh, that I sit on as well. So I'm, I'm one of the nine. So those eight people were really essential to us founding House of Victory and, and really get this off the ground. Everyone has a little bit of a different role. Um, you know, there's some people that are involved in fundraising, some people that are involved in the accounting, some that are involved in the legal side, uh, some that are just, you know, connections and network. Uh, and then some people that are, are really involved in the university relationships that have long time relationships with uh, the school in a number of different ways. And, you know, can, can, can continue to mend and, and build those, that relationship and trust between House of Victory and USC, which, again, is essential. Uh, and then we have, you know, a whole separate board as, as well that, that can help in a number of different areas. But there's a lot of people involved in this. And, you know, they, they have a long history with the school. They have a long history of, of personal experience in a number of different areas of their expertise. Um, so it's been great to have them here. Just as a follow-up, so if it's like Zachariah Branch, we could give you this amount of money. I know you want a little bit more. Like, are you are you the guy who signs off on that? Like, hey, we're going to do this. This is final. It's done. Or like, how do you come to determine exactly how much someone gets paid? Is is that? Yeah, we we discuss it internally, and we we okay. have a plan, and we kind of present that. I present that plan, and then I mean, my yeah, my name is on the contracts. Yeah. If if that's what you're asking. Nice. Wait, there's um. Some guys in the chat, uh, Donnie, Brandon, that are, I guess, pretty pessimistic about sort of where USC is going in the NIO world. I would I'd kind of give you a chance to talk about this a little bit, but they're they're feeling that USC is a program that's following the rules and you're never going to compete with other schools that aren't necessarily following the rules or the, the whatever the, the way USC interprets the rules. 
Uh, Donnie says it looks like USC is going to be a tier two program after all this. I mean, there's there's a lot of pessimism out there about sure. the way USC handles. So I don't know. If, I mean, if there's a good place to sort of like kind of give your thoughts on that and what you know why you think that wouldn't or is or not the isn't the case. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand and, and can respect some of the pessimism and, and frustration. Look, Lincoln Riley, Jen Cohen, the people behind House of Victory are never going to make decisions to risk USC. And, and and I say that in a way, risk as in put UNS, deliberately put USC in a place of danger, right? And regardless of what you think about the NCAA or if they're toothless, what whatever it is, at the end of the day, they are the ones that are compensated and in charge and make leadership decisions to best both protect USC and make sure that USC is winning, right? Th- those two things have to be hand in hand. So we have to do, you know, our decisions are reflective of that. Um, the people on our board and, you know, their longtime relationships and the, the businesses that they've built, they're not going to put their names in a, in a position of risk, right? You just can't. And so there's a way to build this where we can continue to be aggressive or more aggressive and make sure that that we're building a program that that you can be proud of and 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 we can win. And I'll I'll put it this way and I you know, I mentioned the national championship. Washington and Michigan aren't the most aggressive in NIL. Now they have they have strong NIL programs and they want to use that correctly and so do we. There's a way to do this where we are maximizing our resources, being aggressive and doing what our coaches want us to do, right? At the end of the day, it's the coach's job to win. We put a lot of faith in our coaches. So we have to continue to do that and make sure that that we're supporting them in the way that fits uh, what USC needs. Travis 21 wants to know, what are the metrics that you use to govern House of Victory and determine success? Is it just wins and losses on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, right? Internally, we have to continue to evaluate all of our processes, uh, all of our success in, in fundraising, whether that's total fundraising opportunity, or total fundraising revenue, whether it's how many people did we get uh, to reach those revenue goals, how many new people, how many people at this level, how many at this level, and, and why. And we want to continue to assess that. Uh, and then we also, of, of course, want to continue to evaluate how we're supporting the players and what which players and, and what year they are and um, what sport they're a part of, right? Because this is more than just football. Uh, you know, we have to, you know, always evaluate that. And who went in the transfer portal and where, how did we support them? Because that, that hurts us, right? You know, when, when, we support players and then they go in the transfer portal. Well, that's a, that's a bad look for us and, and to our donors. And we, we want to continue to protect against that as much as we can. Right. It, it's there, there's only so much we can do, but yeah, we're constantly evaluating, but yes, at the end of the day, I want, I want to see USC score more points than the opponent uh, at the final game. We had an interesting one. Uh, dubs zero four eight seven. What level of NIL funding does USC need to recruit top five classes and, what are we doing to get there? I don't want to get into specific yeah. numbers. You, you can you can find that on the internet. I've I've seen some some ranges on on the peristyle. Uh, <laughs> look, I I you know we're, we're doing everything we can to get there. We we are constantly trying to build relationships, renew relationships, and get alignment with the people that can help support us. Uh, but you know it it, it takes. It takes the whole Trojan family. It really does. And, you know, I, I think, 
you know, you've, you've seen some coaches across the country like call on their fans to support. That's, that's what we need here. And it's not a call for desperation. And I, I've seen that, that, you know, be thrown out there. No, it's you support your, your program on game day. You support your program when you buy gear, right? You want to see a product on the field that, that is representative of what your expectations are. And the best way to do that is to support the players. This is the only way that players get paid right outside of their scholarship check, which basically doesn't cover their rent. Right. So if you want to see a product that you can be proud of, we need everyone involved. And, and that's the most important piece. But is, is that sort of a correlation that USC hasn't had a top five class, but more funding, higher ranked classes? There's sort of there's a correlation there, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. I, I would never like blame people, their lack of people's involvement for the lack of top five classes. Right. It's all it's a part of the process. Right. When Lincoln is recruiting players or and building his class, it's not all about NIL. It can't be because what would that do to his culture, right? He has to m- manage the culture of his players returning, of his up-and-coming players, of his new players, of the transfer portal players, right? So it can't all be about NIL. It has to be about football, right? At the same time, we want our players to, to be compensated and know that it's a huge part of the equation. So, yes, we want the strongest NIL program possible to help Lincoln bring in top five classes or help Andy land another number one class or Lindsey Gottlieb land another one number one class. Uh, but, you know, it's it, it's not the end all be all. As much as you can say, how are contracts structured? I imagine it's you need to do X amount of appearances and then you get paid. X amount, right? Is there more that goes into it? If you hit a certain amount of yards or touchdowns, <laughs> I don't think there are incentives, but take me through that because you can project out like, hey, this guy's supposed to start and here's what a starting offensive lineman makes and then you sign a deal. But if that guy loses his job, does he still get all that money? Just how does it all look? Yeah. Yeah. So no, nothing tied to on field as that would be pay for play, which is not allowed by the NCAA. So that's all uh, activations outside of their their football activities. So whether that's going to an in-person event, and that could be our Boys and Girls Club event tomorrow. It could be a donor dinner where donors get the chance to take pictures and and just break bread uh, with these athletes. It could be uh, uh, going to a photo shoot. It could be appearing on this podcast, which which they did throughout the (laughs) fall, uh, which was awesome. Uh, And Or it could be a social media post, right? When we announce that an athlete... Uh, is signed to House of Victory. They're doing an, a shared in-feed post for them. That's using their NIL, and they're getting compensated for that. Uh, so there's a number of different services that are outlined in, in each of our contracts that they get paid for. Uh, generally speaking, our contracts are you know six months to, to a year, and so we can continue to evaluate uh, each player and, and our funds available and, and how we want to distribute those funds uh, based you know on on the six months to to six to 12 months. And so we're not, you know, usually not tied into anything long-term and continue to make the decisions that best fit House of Victory. All right. Well, we got a lot of stuff there. We can still go on a little bit. I want to, we're going to take a quick break, come back. We have some like football questions and stuff too. And we'll just have Spence, Spencer can answer them along with us just the way we normally do. And if there's any other NIL stuff come up in the chat or whatever other questions for Spencer, we'll try to get to those as well. We don't want to keep them too long, but Uh, We appreciate you coming in. We'll be back in a minute, everybody, and uh, see you in a second.
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all righty we're back here on the peristyle podcast take a breath spencer you okay you were like getting yeah, questions just i'm good uh, thank you, thank I, you I, for I, hope, I hope i don't get too long-winded no no you were just getting like um you know, shot at, like, which is all from all I'm over the place, it. but that's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People, you know, we, we get blamed all the time. Like we, you'd ask tough questions. That's why USC lost the game. Like, yep, that's why we, that's going on here. Uh, we got a voicemail. I'll play it for you guys. We have a couple of voicemails. I'll play this one and we'll get us some emails and stuff. And if you are watching live on our YouTube channel, thank you very much for that. And uh, if you have a question, put a question there and I'll try to get to these before we let Spencer go. But here's the first voicemail. Hey, Ryan. I think that Miller Moss has the potential to be at least as good as Baker Mayfield was when he played for Lincoln Riley. Except for one thing, every touchdown pass, we can just holler out, you got mossed, Curtis from Moreno Valley. <laughs> Curtis, got, 
You got mossed. I don't know if that's the thing. Spencer, uh, your thoughts now. <laughs> it's funny. Baker's doing like he's kind of, you know, he came out of college kind of immature and stuff. He's he's done pretty well. They're in the playoffs, right? Like they got a yeah, playing the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, and the Eagles are stinking. So I don't know. That's good. There's another voicemail that kind of Moss too. So maybe we'll get some Moss talk after this. I'll play this one and then we'll talk a little Miller Moss. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Eddie from Orange. Uh, this call is for the Mothership, the Parastyle podcast. Uh, sorry for any noise in the background. Kids are out of school. We got Miss Rachel blasting. Um, quick question for you. Is Miller Moss the truth? Or is he USC's ninth Heisman Trophy winner? Or is he both? Thank you. I do love the the optimism around Miller Moss. Like it was one game, you know, but he he looked good. And uh Lincoln Riley's got a pretty good history of making quarterbacks look good or they help each other. Um but it was good to see him out there. He's a really great kid. I know you've worked with him, Spencer, the last couple of years, uh, but it was great to see him have so much success. Absolutely. And I think the fact that Louisville had so many of their starting defensive players and it wasn't a team that had a million opt-outs. It wasn't like a Florida State situation where Georgia just steamrolls them. So it's only one game. You can't take too much away from it, like you said, Ryan. But the fact that these were team members who were on a really good Louisville team that competed for the ACC championship and Miller Moss did what he did. You got to give him a lot of credit. And now we have a quarterback competition, I think with Jaden Maiava, but Miller Moss, I feel like it's his job to lose and we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if Maiava has a few maybe packages and he gets into the game a little bit more maybe than what happened this past season when, where it was just Caleb Williams every time. But I, to me, I think Miller Moss is the guy still has to earn it though. Spring and fall camp. We'll see what happens. I think what will be really cool to see is this spring, it's like a, a weight lifted off his yeah. shoulders. He's been the, the second, third guy you know, for so long now. He's stuck through it, and now this is his chance to really take a breath, go compete, but you, know, you have a, a real chance to win this job and just continue to improve, continue to be the guy under Lincoln Riley. I think his game has just continued to elevate, and, and now you know, having a younger guy there to push him and who has a little bit of a different strengths. I think it's a, a really competitive room, but no, excited to see how Miller grows. And I'm curious to see what happens because when we talked to Lincoln Riley at signing day, he mentioned the possibility of signing two quarterbacks, maybe one that had some more experience and then a younger guy. So with Maiava coming in, I'm not sure. Maybe that's the only one you bring in, but it's a, it's not a deep quarterback room right now. Shout anyway. out to, to Jake Jensen for that fourth and one. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if he got it, but he did, and they said he huge. got it. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, uh, good stuff there. All right, we got uh, some emails to get to. Frank in Sacramento, uh, he sent an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Lincoln Riley says he only wants players, quote, who are dying to play for USC. This type of player, rather than getting some wrong hired gun in the transfer portal, maybe how you build a culture. Frank, he doesn't usually have questions. He has statements, but Frank in Sacramento. <laughs> But I guess there's a mix, right, Spencer and, and Connor, too, just where you can't just go get everybody from the portal you want. And then, it, you know, I thought Lincoln Riley's chemistry for the first year with all the portal guys was pretty impressive. I think it was a little tougher in year two. But, you know, he's talked about wanting to build, you know, through the high school recruiting. And, and it's really a easy, probably a better path or easier path to build a culture. I completely agree. First of all, shout out 916 Sacramento uh, oh, there you to, go. to Frank. Uh, no, I, I think that's 100% what Lincoln's goals are, is to continue to build this through high school recruiting 
and use the transfer portal to, to kind of place in, in some areas of weakness but not rely on it, maybe as heavy as he did these last two years. I think with the portal, it happens so quick, and you really don't get a chance to truly evaluate who these people are as players or who these people are who these players are as people, <laughs> excuse me, uh, and dive into their backgrounds, right? They go in the portal, you hit them up on Twitter, you get them on a visit, and they're enrolled in classes next week, right? It happens really quick, and, and you can make an evaluation off the football film, but it's it's really hard to dive in too deep into them. So that's where some of those culture issues could come up, and you avoid that a little bit more when you rely on high school recruiting and, and build more depth through high school recruiting. I do think it's easier when you only have 52 or however many scholarship guys they have against Louisville to say, <laughs> these are, you know, we, we play the guys who wanted to be here. When you have 85, people are going to lose out in competitions and they're not going to play. And there'll be some people who will still be good teammates and make it work. But then other people will have some sour grapes and won't be as happy. So I just wonder moving forward, it's one thing to say when you only have 50 plus, hey, everyone wants to be here. But when you have 85, how do you go about overcoming some of the people who don't win their jobs when maybe the season isn't going as well as people had hoped. And I think that was a big part of the problem last year. So I'm sure Lincoln Riley's learned a lot of lessons from this past season, and I'm excited to see how he approaches the future just because it was a tough year, and I think he's going to bounce back. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you talk about like having tough years, good years, uh, whatever. Ups, there's ups and downs. There's different reasons why players leave. Like You could be Georgia and win the national championship twice, and you got a bunch of guys leaving that are like five stars that are, you know, the Bear Alexanders of the world that don't want to wait around any longer uh, versus, okay, the team stunk. You didn't think they were going to stink and then players leave there. Or there's a lot of different reasons to stay or go. And, you know, it. I think for fans, you're like worried about, hey, are we winning or are we losing? And, you know, they really care about the winning part and they hate the losing. But you know, winning can make players leave too. Like there's a lot of different reasons players can leave. And now you can transfer more than once. Um, I mean, people are tempted. The grass can be greener. It's not always greener, but it, the people think it can be, and then they could leave. But there's a number of different reasons why they would leave, not just because the team is bad. I agree, and yeah. it's it's tough. But it was nice to see even some of the guys who did decide to leave, like a Chris Thompson, play such a big role in that holiday bowl game i was surprised that he was a captain when he was in the transfer portal but then when lincoln riley explained it afterwards i thought okay i think uh that was the right decision and clearly it was because they played really well and chris had a great game yeah uh frank also this was an actual question he said can you have two number two two number tens out on kick coverage at the same time and he sent a picture and i for whatever reason i couldn't copy it i wanted to put it on the screen if you're watching on youtube but um it's uh Nine minutes, 55 seconds left in the game. USC's up 42-28, uh, apparently just after a kickoff, recover, a, kick, a kickoff, and you see number 10s uh, looking at each other. Um, so it's kind of funny. So usually they, if you have two number 10s or two a number of any, they, they, one of them will put on another jersey on. I don't remember this being called. Maybe I just missed it. No, it looks like the win has to be vacated. Yes. <laughs> That's good. Uh, but yes, like, no, you can't do that, Frank. Sorry, uh, Miller. <laughs> uh, what what an eye from Frank. I'm wondering if, I, I can't see the picture, but I'm wondering if the player had already ripped off the jersey that was on top of his yeah. actual jersey. I don't see any. They're standing over, like, the ball carrier, and they're, like, literally, like, it's like the two Spider-Man memes. Look at, I wish I could yeah. uh, put it up on the screen, but it's kind of funny. Um so yeah, so yeah, I think Jamil Muhammad is over 
the player. But anyway, yeah. So Kyra, usually, Kyron Hudson. Yeah, Kyron Hudson is uh, is facing him. But usually, you put a another jersey on, and I it kind of annoys me that they announce it like every single time. Like, okay, we get it. Like every time they punt. This guy's wearing number 98 instead or whatever, but they just kind of announced it a lot. Well, Deuce Robinson blocked that punt, and everyone thought it was Kate Eldridge. Yes. I forget what game that was, and people thought it was Eldridge because they didn't announce it. So sometimes it is helpful if it's a block punt situation. Yeah. Uh, interesting. But thank you for that one, Frank. I didn't see. <laughs> Nothing uh, gets by Frank, baby. <laughs> he's uh, He's got this down on lockdown. Uh, we got Mark who wrote in. Uh, next time you have a podcast, here's a uh, toss-up question for you guys to opine on. Do you think Riley's commitment to defense will make its way into changes on the offensive side? Things like being under center or a fullback or two tight ends. Would love to hear your opinions, uh, Mark. Maybe, but I just think Lincoln Riley on offense, he's going to do what's best for the team and whatever the opponent does really well or doesn't do as well, they'll try to take advantage of that. I don't think he's going to go into a season and say, we're going to have two tight ends and we're going to run the ball more because our defense isn't as good and we need to control the clock. That's just never been what he's done, clearly. I mean, in all the games, not all of them, but in a lot of the games he's lost, they've given up a lot of points, and it's not because he's changing things on offense. It's because they're scoring really fast, and <laughs> the other team's scoring really fast too, and it's shootouts. I don't see him changing much uh, to, to answer that question, but maybe little things here or there, but I don't think philosophically he's going to go into the season and have wholesale changes like that. What do you think, Spencer? Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree. I, I, I mean, he, let's remember, he, he just turned 40 years old. I think he's yeah. going to continue to evaluate himself and make sure that he's operating his team in the way that, that best fits to win games. So, you know, I think this was a tough year. I mean, we, our defense was, was not good and, and he's got to continue to evaluate every part of the program to make sure that, we don't go seven and five again. And so, I, you know, I think he continued to evolve. I mean, and I would say from the, a tight end thing, I, I, w- I would guess that he wanted to use more tight ends than he has in his first two years. We didn't necessarily have the personnel. We just brought in three really good tight ends that are, that are going to be a big part of, of how he operates, whether that's in the run game or the pass game over the next couple of years. I think that's a common, I mean, I, maybe it's just the way we are nowadays just as a society, but Lincoln Riley just turned 40. You know, he is evolving as a head coach. And just because this is a snapshot of you think, oh, this is the way he is. This is the way he's going to be forever. Uh, you see, it, you know, the team the team you follow, if you follow USC or whoever you follow, you look at their team in week two, it's probably a lot different than it looks in week four for whatever. I mean, it just happens. <laughs> like it, you're evol- the teams evolve throughout the year. It's very different from year from week one to the end of the season. And head coaches evolve. And sometimes they don't. And I think, you know, we see Nick Saban uh, retiring. His probably greatest asset was his ability to evolve. And, you know, him and Bill Belichick are kind of linked and they were on the same Brown staff and all that. Belichick, you know, he did his thing and it worked for a long time with a generational quarterback and all that stuff. Sorry, uh, Connor, for I know this is you're a Patriots guy, but he didn't really like when you have a, it's an offensive league and you hire a defensive coordinator to run your offense. Like there's probably some problems there. Like he's really like putting his foot down. Like, Nope, we're not, we're not going this offensive trend. We're going to keep our same ways. And I think Saban evolved. Like he was run the ball, play defense, all that stuff. And he's like, wow, they're scoring a lot of points. Let's do that. And wow, you got Heisman trophy winners and it works. I Lincoln Riley can evolve. I mean, there's certainly, you know, he is not a finished product at 40, I think just the hires he's made show you that he's taking this seriously. They've invested a lot into the defensive side of the ball. 
Um, you know, I, I keep thinking about what he told us in the offseason about why he kept Alex Grinch and, you know, wasn't the right decision, but I, his reasoning made sense at the time. And you make, you make calls, you know, and I think he'd say, yeah, he, he fired him 10 games in. He's like, yeah, it wasn't the right call. I should have fired him then, but whatever, you know, that's, he's still evolving as a head coach. So I, I agree with what you're saying there, Spencer. Um, sorry, I wasn't even, like <laughs> on this rant there. Uh, we got one more email and then a, a, a uh, something in the chat and we'll end with that. This is from uh, Piston Lap. Uh, hi, Ryan. Love the show and appreciate all the work uh, that you and your staff put into bringing us the very best USC coverage of USC athletics. Thank you for that. I understand that some fans might be disappointed with the 2024 recruiting class, but I wanted to bring up Mike Norvell at Florida State. When he took over in 2020, his first few classes were ranked 21st, 21st, 19th, and 16th with mostly three stars and very few blue chippers. They were also bringing in 10 to 15 guys through the transfer portal every cycle until the 2024 class where they finished in the top 10 and currently have just one transfer. I believe USC is on a similar path where we need to supplement our solid, if not spectacular, high school classes with experienced transfers due to holes on the depth chart and continue to improve on the field. If our new defensive staff has the impact that we are hoping for, recruiting will get better even with our NIL issues. Sorry, Spencer, because we, <laughs> there's just a thing there, because we have, uh, we'll have shown steady improvement on both sides of the ball, which has not happened thus far. Thanks for your time and fight on from Piston Lap. It's just interesting. We see really good coaches not have as easy of a time as people think. I mean, it took Jim Harbaugh a really long time to not only win the championship, but to get into the college football playoff. He's going to be fired. A yeah. lot of people wanted Jim Harbaugh fired. Yeah. He, he changed his whole contract to prevent him getting fired. Exactly. To be all incentive-based. And so I think with a Lincoln Riley, with a Jim Harbaugh, with guys who have really good track records but maybe haven't quite gotten there, although Harbaugh has now, of course, you just got to hope that eventually – the the baseline doesn't go too far down. The floor doesn't go too far down, and they and they figure things out. And seven and five. I mean, I was really critical of the team. I think most people were. And it seems like Lincoln Riley is making the adjustments necessary. And all along, I never said USC should move off of him, Ryan. I know you never said that, even though we had plenty of calls. Go get Kalen DeBoer, Jen, Jen Cohen. What are you doing? Lincoln Riley needs to go. His track record is so good that you just have to hope he adjusts and. So far this offseason, I think he is. So to the emailer's point, I think brighter days are ahead, and it sounds like Lincoln Riley has learned his lesson. The transfer stuff and the recruiting stuff, that'll improve. It'll get better, and um, I, I still think the future is really bright, even though this past season didn't go according to plan. Yeah. What do you think, Spencer? I agree. I mean, I think no one is happy about going 7-5, and five, and it, it's lit a fire under everyone. There's a new athletic director here who's – as competitive as, as it all gets. And, you know, she's continued to support Lincoln in the ways that he needs supported support. Think about this. I mean, Lincoln got here. It was hired by Mike Bone. But, you know, Brandon Sawson was really involved in that process. Brandon leaves, who was the football administrator. Then Mike, you know, gets let go, unfortunately. Then there was a couple months of, of no athletic director. Like, there's been some turmoil there, too, that now that we have some stability and have the right leadership and, and Jen's brought in some administrators to support Lincoln, like, and, and we can go build this new defensive staff because of that, right? We're, we're all, you know, in this together and, and working to make sure that we don't go 7-5 and five again and, and we do – 
hit our championship aspirations, but it doesn't happen overnight. It's the decisions that are made every single day to continue to evolve and continue to get better. And, and that's what Lincoln is doing. And I would say, as you know, I've been covering this program a long time and I, I'm like Connor here and spent like, I'm definitely optimistic on the direction the program's going. And mostly because, I mean, you look at results, whatever, like you could overvalue winning 11 games in the first year and you could be overcritical of the way things went in year two, but I, it's more about the decisions and like making the right choices. And I've covered this team for decades knowing, you know, every time they would make a terrible decision, who they hired as a head coach or as an athletic director. I mean, people that weren't qualified for the jobs that they were doing over and over again, like, what do you expect to happen do you just because you know them, like this is going to be work out well? No, there's, there's, there should be, I'm a engineer, you know, logic behind your decisions. USC was making illogical decisions for literally for decades. And then you look at, oh, like hiring Lincoln Riley makes a lot of sense. Even when you brought in Mike Bone and Brandon Sosna, like, okay, you're getting someone that's a sitting athletic director as opposed to some guy, you know, that's a USC, former USC football player. That was an upgrade. Um, bringing in Lincoln Riley, obviously an upgrade. They hadn't hired a proven winner, someone that had actual success in college football as a head coach since Howard Jones, a hundred years ago or whatever. Like that's so, or 90 years ago, like that's okay. The, so you, you look at the decisions and go, okay, I like these decisions. Is everyone going to work out? Probably not. I mean, that, you know, you can't hit them all, but I like the way the decisions are going. You're getting a, a Jen Cohen, Obviously, she made some good hires. Their team went to the freaking national championship, you know? So she did a really nice job. She pivoted away from, you know, uh, Jimmy Lake, bringing Kalen DeBoer. Uh, you know, there, there was a lot of good things there. So I like the way USC is making decisions. And you can look at this season in a microscope, whatever you want to do. But it seems like now there's better decisions being made, which you build on those. And like... Sometimes you make a bad decision and it doesn't hurt you for it. I always use the analogy of like, hey, you take that parking ticket and rip it up. Like it doesn't impact you today. But if you've done that four times and then you, there's a boot on your car six months later, like all those bad decisions sort of kind of came together later on. And like you've now you're paying for them. There's a lot of good decisions, I think, that have been made. And I think you're building on that. So I think long-term USC football, if you're a fan, you should be happy the way things are going. But I don't know. There's my little rant there, but. A lot of bad decisions for a long time at USC. What I'm seeing is better decisions being made now. So that's that's positive. So certainly. And the turnover on the defensive staff, I mean, we gotta see what happens on Saturdays in the fall, but Danton Lynn, what he did at UCLA and just the fact that a lot of position coaches have been hired who have defensive play calling experience and were defensive coordinators or even head coaches at their previous positions. Lincoln Riley said he was gonna fix the defense and Again, you don't want to win the offseason, which USC has done a nice job of the past couple of years. You want to win during the season, but I, I, I think clearly USC is taking, taking steps in the right direction to fix the defense, and I, I don't know how you, you can't be happy right now after last season. Alex Grinch is gone, and pretty much everyone on the defensive staff outside of maybe Roy Manning is probably going to be gone. They're starting totally over. Yeah. Uh, we got one more thing. We'll let you go, Spencer. Swimmer, uh, when will the new facilities be done? I know it's probably not your department, but... Uh... <laughs> not, not my department at all, but I know there's a sign that says they're coming. So they're, they're working towards it. Again, I think that's another you know element to when Lincoln yeah. got here. Our facilities were way behind, right? Our NIL was behind and is improving, right? We, we have to check these boxes for him to build a championship program because that's what 
these other programs have, and, and USC doesn't, right? So we have to get there. All right. Yeah, that, I mean, there's a fence around, and you know, there's going to be changes for the Olympics and stuff, so like they got to work on Dado Field. Uh, USC football won't be able to play in the Coliseum, I believe, in 2028. Is that the case? Like they're going to have to play somewhere else or something? Like there's stuff happening, but I mean, I don't know when the groundbreaking is supposed to... I think I was told that. I forget, I forget what it was, but it's it's in the works, but it's not going to be like tomorrow or anything. So, uh, but again, that's another positive uh, direction. And you know, you feel bad because like the McKay Center is just not that old. But who was you know you had a, not a very good athletic director doing this at the time. Whatever Lane Kiffin's current staff was like, yeah, that's, we need ten offices for the coaches. That's good. Like, let's do that. Like, nah, college football is not getting bigger. Like, we don't need any more than that. So, yeah, some dumb decision. Like, like so that decision then. To not make to have expandability, now you got to do build a new facility, which they're doing. So, uh, with hopefully a little bit more, you know, foresight uh, into where they're building it out, which I assume they will. Um, all right, well, this is good stuff, uh, Spencer. Really uh, appreciate you coming on and coming in the studio, coming to the Lions Den. I guess absolutely. Um, Thank, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun, and we appreciate you. So the bobblehead in front of Spencer uh, that was came from the House of Victory tailgate. So yeah. So I got one go. uh, Caleb Williams bobblehead from a Dodger game. A friend of mine went. That was that one. And then uh, got, so we got a second bobblehead. So uh, it's good little studio decorations. But thanks. We had a lot of fun. I know, Connor, you're a fan of the the food from oh, the yeah. Rex at the House of Victory <laughs> yeah. tailgate. Can't, can't beat it. He came the first time. He's like, can I come every time? I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> well, I, I think I asked Spencer. He's like, yeah, you're fine. I'm like, all right, cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys can get involved. Um, that's a, you know, It's a great way. You like the tailgate. You like really good food and drinks and stuff. That's a great way to support House of Victory. And um, yeah, how else? Uh, let everyone know. Like, uh, where can people go for uh, supporting yeah. House of Victory? Go to our website, houseofvictory.com. You'll see a different couple different ways to support. Whether you want to, you know, do a membership, annual contribution, monthly. If you want to do a tax write off to our foundation, uh, you have that option. So there's a bunch of different ways to get involved. We'll have some cool events uh, coming in the off season this year. Uh, and we're, we're always here to support uh, your sport of choice, right? You can have it all go to football. You can have it all go to women's beach volleyball to support Dane Blanton, uh, go for going for his uh, fourth championship in a row. Crazy. Uh, completely up to you. And, and we want to uh, build a program that's, that's fit for uh, USC. All right. Well, great stuff. Uh, yeah, we haven't done a, a live podcast in a little while. So it was good to uh, get back in here again. Good to see you again. Connor. And again, appreciate, uh, Spencer, you coming in. This was, uh, certainly a lot of fun. It's great to do. And, and we appreciate the, you know, we, if you guys have seen some of the, uh, shows we did, uh, various student athletes have come on the show. Uh, we'll keep doing that hopefully. And, uh, it's been, it's been a lot of it's fun kind of partnership here with house of victory working with you guys. And so thank you for, for coming in and sharing all your thoughts. Absolutely. Thank you guys. All right, everyone. That is our show. So, Again, we're back. Thank you. If you haven't been over to uscfootball.com, you're not a member, go check it out. Uh, make sure if you want to help out USC Athletics, you can go over to House of Victory and uh, and support them through that. For Connor and Spencer, I am Ryan. Hope you guys enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. If it seems like the crew at your neighborhood, Trader Joe's, is having fun, it's probably because we are. And now we're having fun on a podcast, too called Inside Trader Joe's. Let's talk about what makes Trader Joe's Trader Joe's. The products, the customers, the crew. Why is everybody so nice? It's like 
Because they are. Because they are. Inside Trader Joe's is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. And thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 